Uh. Yeah. Won't jump click to click. Hit boy, but I ain't like you kids. They know what time it is. Pill off Lambo tire skid. Doing the most. What's going on, Player Profiler Nation? Welcome to episode five of Press Coverage. I am Maddie Kiwum, and I am hosting this week for the OG Theo Greminger. It is hashtag crossover week after all, so let's not waste any time, and let's get right on into it. I am joined today on press coverage by one of the best fantasy managers in all the land, baby. He is the host of The Dominator, but not this week. He is the (laughs) co-host of Man vs. Machine and First Class Fantasy. It is the Kaliso, Billy Muzio. What's going on, my friend? Oh, man. We get to record two times together this week. We were on The Dominator Sunday we're back here on press coverage. It's Tuesday night. I don't know when this thing's dropping, but it doesn't matter. It's twice in the same <laughs> week, and we're rocking and rolling. We're we're just taking over Theo's podcast today, and we're just going <laughs> to yeah. do our thing, and he can't stop us. He can't, he's nowhere to be found. It's full-on substitute teacher week here at press coverage, and I love it because as a bonehead growing up, you know, the best days in school was always the te- the substitute teacher day. Those are the days you got to watch the movies. I'm 35, so we always watch this movie called Stand and Deliver. I don't know if you young kids know what that is, but we watched it about 600,012 times growing up. But that's neither here nor there. We got Billy Muzio in the house. And like Theo likes to say each and every week, you know, the press coverage is a podcast where you can win on the margins, where you can get yourself better at fantasy and find ways to beat your league mates. And today we are talking draft strategy, not general draft strategy, but draft strategy in your seasonal one QB redrafts. Like Billy said, we had uh, the, the pleasure of, you know, doing the Dominator together on Sunday Billy drafted the uh, pros versus Joe's FFBC best ball, which was one QB tight end premium. So we walked through that for about an hour. It was a blast. But today here on press coverage, we're going to get into the nitty gritty, Mr. Billy Muzio Caliso. And if you don't know that reference, that was from Sunday where we called uh, Billy Muzio Khaleesi, but then we called it Caliso because he's man. And he drafted not one, not two, but three, but four dragons. He was the father of what dragons. And if you're not familiar with that, because you might not be, you might not know me from, from the game plan. But on the game plan, we call the dragon strategy when you go full on big dog wide receivers and try to burn the earth to the ground when it's time for your fantasy football. Billy, first question here I'm going to ask you here on press coverage. Shoot it. Like I said, Sunday, we were doing Dominated together. And you draft the pros versus Joe's great squad, by the way. And big shout out to fantasy mojo, putting that thing on yeah, that squad. Sexiest AF dude. That squad is sexy <laughs> AF. You are not kidding. <laughs> it's loaded. It has a lot of really, really fun players, really good players to cheer for. Also dudes who expect to smash. Uh, we'll talk, maybe we'll dive into the actual players at some point, but you went with a, I would say a, a zero RB light. Type of strategy. Uh, we were joking that you were probably going to go many, many rounds without going running back. You pivoted, which is, I think, a, a, a through line that we talk about all the time, which is being flexible. But do you tend to go zero RB? I think it depends on the room. 
I think it's very important for you to be fluid, to be moldable in a draft room. I always say we need to be like Bruce Lee and be water, my friend, inside of a draft room. <laughs> because if I go in with a plan to go zero RB and there's three, four other individuals who are going zero RB, it's probably in my best interest to switch and start taking the value that's going to fall at the other positions, whether that's running back, tight end, quarterback. We will find a value somewhere. Mm-hmm. So I believe in being flexible in our drafts at all times because it gives us the best possible outcome inside of our builds. And yes, we want to stack as much as possible. We want to make sure that we have correlation as much as possible, especially mm-hmm. best ball. But if we're in just a redraft league at home leagues or whatever it may be, uh, it's always in our best interest to take the best player available and for us to make sure we're maximizing our, our total point output. And sometimes that means that we go astray from our plan and we need to make sure that we are, are adjusting and we're making sure that we are accounting for those in the room. Um, you know, if, if I join a room and there's a bunch of, you know, Rotoviz guys, I know that they're going heavy wide receiver. I'm not mm-hmm. going to go receiver that I'm going to start going running back that, that in, in, in that draft. Um, we saw that in, in my buddy's draft, Dave Hubbard, shout out to Dave. Uh, he was in the pros versus Joe's the very next day. And it was mm-hmm. a heavy wide receiver room. His start ended up being Bijan, Jonathan Taylor, Saquon Barkley fell all the way to the middle of the third round um, because people were pushing up wide receiver. They're pushing up quarterbacks. They're pushing up tight ends. Um, did he go in planning to go heavy RB? Probably not, but he right. ended up making that change simply because he evaluated the room and he made those adjustments. So you talk about being flexible. It makes a ton of sense. We actually talked about on the Dominator how – uh, you were said that you were not going to be painting the draft board green anytime soon, but the value fell not once but twice in a row. So staying flexible, it's it's kind of the the number one thing you're looking to do. But you touched upon this about the Rotoviz guys. So I have this follow up question that I'm going to ask you, but you know, everyone listening is going to have to stay tuned because we are going to hear from one of our sponsors. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey, you know, people always ask me, what's the World Series of Fantasy? What's the Super Bowl of Fantasy? And it's easy. It's the FFPC. Their signature Players Championship has a $6 million prize pool. And their best ball leagues start in February. And they're the answer to so many questions. Hey, what's the best place to get a Dynasty Orphan? Well, you can adopt a Dynasty Orphan at the FFPC right now. There's more orphans at the FFPC than anywhere else on the internet. That's why we partner with them. So if you want to play fantasy football for low, medium, high stakes, you love Dynasty, you love best ball, you love seasonal leagues, all types of fantasy footballers need to go to the FFPC and remember Use promo code UNDERWORLD. Promo code UNDERWORLD gets you $25 off your first team. Promo code UNDERWORLD, $25 off your first team, no matter what the format is, at the FFPC. Go get it. Shout out FFPC and make sure you use that promo code UNDERWORLD and get yourself a little discount. So here's a follow-up question. We were talking about go the teams that go 0RB. So you get mm-hmm. you. As Myrtleviz, they go a lot of you know high end wide receivers to start. So if you're in a sharp draft like that, 
And you know multiple managers will be uh, you know, leaning towards or at least starting off with the zero RB strategy. What is the zag to everyone's zig? Is it going hero RB, hoarding RB, or is it simply just being better at executing the zero RB strategy itself? Now, if, if you have multiple people going zero RB in a draft, I think it's in your best interest to, to zag. Um, and I think that you're going to see a lot of value fall at the running back position because they're not going to be selecting running backs. They're going to be looking to push up receivers. They're going to be looking to push up tight ends. And they're mm-hmm. going to be looking to push up quarterbacks. Um, traditional zero RB will take those three positions all before round six or seven. And they really won't take the running back until about round seven or eight on at the earliest. And so, and sometimes round 10 or even later. And so if that's the scenario, we're going to see some significant value at the running back position. And so that may be that you starting four straight running backs. And if you have a two running back start and two flex, then great. You're filling your flex with running backs and then you're piecing together your other positions. But it, like, like look back at that, that FFPC start that Dave had instead of the pros versus Joe's uh, yesterday. And so uh, if you're starting off with Bijan, Jonathan Taylor, and Saquon Barkley, Saquon mm-hmm. today signed his tender. So yeah. kiss that price goodbye that thing is yeah, now round three price for saquon is going to be a golden price it was like uh remember a few weeks ago where you were able to get stefan Diggs about two rounds later because he was going to be a disgruntled wide receiver and then he reported in like 12 hours later so you have like these windows to smash yeah. on value and and especially with volume drafters you can take advantage of those windows like i have the mm-hmm. only cooper cup and Diggs team in the tournament at ffpc and it's both of them around one picks, both of them are going before round before pick eight on average. But because that disgruntled week, he fell to me at like two seven one week and it just kept dropping and dropping and dropping. But to back to the point is we want to zag. We're going to be selecting running backs when they are going heavy wide receiver. And we're going to hope for just a monster RB start. And then we can start piecing together the rest of the lineup. You, Billy Muzio, you have some of the best projections in uh, all of fantasy. The fantasy verse, I like to call it, the, the extended fantasy verse. So you know like kind of where to pounce here and there, but our listeners here at Press Coverage may not. So if you're going to go hoard RB, you're going to completely zag when everyone's zigging, and you're going to take, you know, let's say, four guys off the top, four running backs. What are some receivers that you really like to, to attack there, whether it be round four, five, six? Where are you going to dump into the wide receiver pool? And so who are some of your favorites there? Yeah, I love where like Debo Samuel's going this year. Uh, Debo's going in around four on average over at FFPC. Uh, and we know that there's some uncertainty at the quarterback position. We know Brock Purdy was actually cleared to start resuming practice, which is phenomenal mm-hmm. for their stock. Huge. That being said, we don't expect him to throw the ball downfield early and often, right? They want to regain strength in that arm. They want to regain confidence in that arm. And so that's going to benefit everybody who's going to be, you know, getting screen passes, short intermediate routes, behind the line of scrimmage one of those main beneficiaries is going to be Debo Samuel. Um, so love the fact that he's versatile also in the running game. So love the upside. I mean, there might be a little biasness back here with the red and gold behind me as well. <laughs> I was we, gonna we, say. we won't mention that. We'll just, uh, we'll just keep moving along here. I love Jerry Judy this year. I think that we're going to see a bounce back year from Russell Wilson. Uh, chop up last year to hack it hack it couldn't hack it in denver and uh and, <laughs> no, no. and russell wilson no. had his 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 worst his worst year of his career arguably and then now 
Um, he gets Sean Payton, who has been a offensive mastermind, and they bring over uh, a whole new coaching staff with him as well. He's get another another year with his repetition with his receivers. Everyone's healthy and on the field, which we haven't seen either inside. Last year we had everybody like everyone was hurt. We'd never mm-hmm. had Sutton, Dulcich, and Judy on the field for more than a few games. And so the fact that we get everybody back on the field, everybody's healthy, everybody's working together, minus Javante. But that's going to be good for the passing game because they're going to be passing more. And so really like Jerry Judy this year in round four. Um, there's so many receivers going late this year. Like we look at like Chris Godwin's going late. We have Mike Evans going late. Deontay Johnson is one of my favorite targets this year because he's going as like wide receiver like 33 to 36 on average. He's had 140 targets at every single one of his 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 careers or his, every single game or year gee i can't even speak today holy shit every it's single two, year week. <laughs> every single year outside of his rookie year finally got that one out really? so, so besides his rookie year 140 plus targets in every single year going outside of wide receiver 30 right now i mean it's just ridiculous i think he's being severely undervalued and, mm-hmm. and he's going to significantly outperform that adp because your projections have him scoring a touchdown this year <laughs> Yeah, I would. I'd put all my money in. I'm playing a fantasy that in fact that he'll score one touchdown this year. I mean, yes, and the, the target should be there. We're hoping that the the offense takes a you know a step in the right direction as a whole. Kenny Pickett mm-hmm. going to a second year, George Pickens as well. Obviously, a healthy Najee Harris, Pat Frymuth. This team should get going. We talked about it a little bit uh, on uh, the Dominator Sunday, so let's bring it up here on press coverage. Do you also expect, like I do, that the AFC North is going to be a little bit more offensive friend, offensive mindedly friendly? Friendly? Now I can't speak. What is this bug that you sent to me across the entire country? Is it going to be more offensive minded now that there's these high powered offenses getting ready to face off in twenty three? Can we just call them shoot out ish? E shoot out ish. Shoot out ish. <laughs> shoot out ish. Shoot out ish. You come to press coverage for the shoot out ish. <laughs> people would think we're slavic <laughs> um i think we could see a little bit more more shootout potential inside of this division there it is um cincinnati of course explosive uh, i think pickett probably takes another step forward we have improved offensive line inside of uh pittsburgh they spent around one on offensive line they spent mm-hmm. uh, a round three on a blocking tight end they spent round seven on offensive line so three of their picks they spent on offensive line uh, we know they have Deontay Johnson. They brought in Allen Robinson. Okay, whatever. But they still have yeah. uh, Pickens as well. But I, I think that that's that offense is going to be improved this year. Browns expecting a bounce back year this year from Deshaun Watson. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, yeah, I think overall um, we can be pretty excited about this division. I mean, Baltimore, of course, they add Todd Munkin. Um, Lamar Jackson is healthy. They added a, a few more weapons for him in the passing game. I think that um, this division is 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 looking like it's going to be a little bit more pass heavy, looking like it's going to be a little bit more friendly for fantasy scoring. Mm-hmm. Uh, I The thing I want to see, because Baltimore last year had a bad defense, but traditionally they're usually pretty good at defense. The right. Steelers last year had a bad defense, but they saw some injuries, and that's the reason why they went down that route. So I want to see how these defenses are looking inside a camp. I want to see what the news is on them. But ultimately, I think the offense is a little bit more high-powered, so we will see some higher scoring games. But I do think that the defenses might hold back the overall potential of the shootout-ish campaign 
Um, but I do think that we will see some more some more scores. Come to press coverage for the fantasy football, but you stay for Billy and Maddie making up words <laughs> as we go along this whole thing. Now, we talked about Jerry Judy. We talked about Deontay Johnson. Uh, these guys, you can probably get both of them if you decide to Easily. stack up the running backs. In the Pros versus Joes FFPC contest, Judy went 5-5 and Deontay went 7-4. Neither of them quite made it to where you were drafting. You were going out of the 6-7 spot or 7-6 spot, I should say. But if you do want to go you know, a little bit uh, running back heavy, you have the chance to not only get two of them, but you know, Debo also went 4-4, another guy that you mentioned, so you can stack up on those receivers a little bit late. But what I want to do now, because some people tuning in here, we're looking uh, uh talk about draft strategy, help the folks out, get an edge amongst their leagues makes. So I want to hit the rewind button here. We talked about what we would do if there are multiple zero RB strategists that you are competing against. So let's just say you are in a draft. You have the one nine or later. You're in the back half or the back three or four picks of the first round. And let's say that Chase Jefferson uh, Tyreek Hill, Cooper Cup, A.J. Brown, C.D. Lamb, Christian McCaffrey, and Travis Kelsey, they're all off the board. You have the 109. You have one of the lows, like 110, 111, 112. Are you for sure going to go running back there, Bijan Eckler, uh, Jonathan Taylor, or are you going to go ahead and grab your wide receiver one and get your Garrett Wilson, Amon Ross St. Brown type of player? I'm probably going. Did you say Diggs is on off the board or on the board? Diggs is not off the board, so Diggs would be another wide receiver. Diggs, there Diggs would be my probably go to here. Uh, I I like the Buffalo Bills offense. Diggs the clear cut number one. The number two in this offense is still to be determined. Gabe Davis is slotted in as the wide receiver two. They added King Cade. I know they still have uh, some other pass catchers. Khalil Shakir. They you know Cook is expected to take on a larger role. But I think that Diggs is the clear cut number one and probably going to be looked at early and often. Love Stephon Diggs again this year. Love Amon Ross St. Brown as well. Mm-hmm. I think you can make a case for him to go inside round one pretty easily. Uh, and we have to look at the way the, the you know the, the turn shapes up, but I like going double receiver at the end right there because there's a lot of good running backs that you can get in round three, four, five, and six as well. Um, I think it just depends upon what the turn does as well. If I'm at the nine spot and they go, they double tap receiver, maybe their value falls to you at running back. And so, again, being flexible here, but I'm probably taking Stefan Diggs there at the nine spot. So with Diggs off the board too, and I want to let everyone you know listening, we want to reiterate, you can go hero RB. You can even go RB mm-hmm. horde and still take a receiver at the top, right? Like right. if you're going to be in the back half of the first or the back end of the first, tapping receiver and then immediately pivoting and start grabbing those running backs is a perfectly viable strategy because you're not going to have to wait a ton. You're basically you know, right around that swing pick, right? So you can do that. that is that something that you've – Done. What are your thoughts on, on kind of not necessarily going to RB in round one, but then maybe double tapping two and three running back? Yeah, I, I think you can absolutely take a hero running back in round two. There's there's even some in round three, like you mentioned. So like Nick Chubb is going pretty frequently in round two. Mm-hmm. Uh, Derek Henry was going at the end of round two for a while. He's starting to climb up a little bit. You have Tony Pollard who maybe most won't consider a hero running back, but based upon his expected volume this year in 2023, in my opinion, he would classify as a hero running back. So there is a lot of potential hero running back builds that you could do um, with a running back in round two or in round three. And uh, just depends on your risk tolerance as well. 
We got Brees Hall, who's going middle to end of round three right now. Mm-hmm. Jameer Gibbs going middle to end of round three. I think. I mean, a lot of these guys could potentially be a hero RB candidate. Uh, just depends upon uh, the role and involvement. So I probably wouldn't be as comfortable with those two, but I think you could make a pretty easy case for Nick Chubb and Derrick Henry as your hero RB in round two. Yeah, they're in smash spots, especially in 2023. Nick Chubb is getting all the hype, right? That he's going to get the the passing down role. How much? How much credit do you, or how much do you support that 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 notion that he's going to be the guy on the field, not first, not second, third down, all all the downs? I don't think that they're going to fully commit to him as much as we would like to from a fantasy perspective. Mm, I mean, we want oh, that's interesting. We want to see him get 40, 50 targets. I just don't think it's going to happen. I think he'll see. Um, more than he has in the past this year. He'll probably be in that mid to high 30 range, which is going to be significantly more than we've seen. Um, but I doubt that we'll see 40 or 50 from him. Uh, word out of camp is that they really like Jerome Ford, and I know that they've been talking him up in camp about his versatility, his speed, his, his, his overall work ethic. And so I think that we... Unfortunately, we'll probably see more Ford than we are uh, hoping hoping for. At least for us, Chubb managers, you know, Hunt yeah, Hunt, right, Hunt right. finally Hunt finally left town, and we were expecting to see <laughs> um, this massive massive workload. And I do think that we do see an increased workload, but I just don't think that we're going to see a true every down back. Like when we think every down, we think Derrick Henry, three hundred plus touch, three hundred plus carries, you know, 30, 30 plus targets, and so. Um, I don't necessarily think that that is going to be the scenario for Nick Chubb. Don't get me wrong. He's still like top five in my running back projections. I love the guy, love the talent. I think he's probably the best pure runner in the NFL. I just have some concerns with how much the Browns are going to commit to him in the passing game. He had, what, 1,300 rushing yards last year, uh, 13 touchdowns. He smashed last year, and he wasn't a massive factor in the run in the passing game at all. So you don't necessarily need to have – him be viable in the past game for the Cleveland Browns for him to be a your hero RB. Every about- single year I make a bet that Nick Chubb's gonna lead the league in rushing. I have not yet won, <laughs> but I'm going to <laughs> revisit that well because it's just a matter of him getting the opportunities. And if he can see another three hundred plus carries this year, he has a good shot. Yeah, okay. So what what is he usually what like fifth up fifth best odds, sixth best odds? Like it's probably a little extra. There's probably some juice on there, right? He's probably not the one. I haven't actually favorites. taken a look at the odds yet on that line. I know I'm gonna make the bets, but I, I regardless of what the odds are, I'm gonna make the <laughs> yeah. bet. Because it's just one of those things that like I continue to donate my money on this line, but I think eventually it will hit. Um that's the way to say, it, yeah. <laughs> We oh, Mr. Muzio, we we appreciate your continued yeah. donation. Your yeah. your yearly thank, donation. Thank you for your annual contribution. Um, but yeah. I do I do think that he has the one the skill set. Two, he's in the offense that he could possibly do it. And now they're lacking some extra you know weapons inside of the backfield. So I think that he has a decent shot again this year at at, at potentially doing it. Chubb's in a smash spot. We love Chubb this year, no doubt about it. Now I want to ask you about some a little bit later in drafts here. So we're helping these listeners build out their drafts. I'm giving some extra strategy as they head into draft season. That's, I mean, we're knocking on that door. Full-fledged draft season is about a month away. So everyone's going to be ready to rock and roll. Now, if you're a psychopath like Billy or myself, you're already, <laughs> what, 600 drafts in, 500 drafts in. I mean, you know, they're we're, we're crazy. But the, the real draft season starts in about a month or so. So name me some of your favorite running backs that are going between rounds six and nine. Uh, David Montgomery going between around six and seven. 
Uh, we, we know that the Lions have one of the best offensive lines in football. We saw what Jamal Williams did in this set, in this role. I think that David Montgomery is a, a, a superior running back at this point in his career than Jamal Williams was last year. Now, I don't expect that type of touchdown production, but I do expect him to have more efficiency on the ground. And he's also a, a decent pass catcher as well. We know that they're lacking weapons inside of the passing game. Jamison Williams being suspended for the first six mm-hmm. games. They brought in Marvin Jones which I like, but at the same time, it's just lacking the pizzazz that we would hope for inside of this offense. So I think David Montgomery probably sees a larger role than people are expecting. I know Jameer Gibbs is projected as a top 15 back across most sites, including ours. Um, That being said, I think that there's room for both of them inside the top 24. Um, I also really like Rashad White. He's been one of my guys for, since he joined the league last year. And I love his, 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 uh, dual threat ability in the passing game and as a rusher uh, kind of reminds me a lot of David Johnson when he was young and good coming in the league just has that fluidity to him. Um, and I, I think that um, we know that we have some, some opportunity here inside um, the backfield for again, a lack of weapons. Leonard Fournette is no longer with the team. Uh, the only other competition that he really has is Keyshawn Vaughn and Chase Edmonds. Um, who have both kind of disappointed up to date in their careers. Um, so I think White's going to see a pretty productive year and probably be the a three down back inside of this offense. Uh, another back that I really like in this range. Man, there's so many. There's, I mean, this I'm is not, the nice. This is that juicy spot, right? This is a nice spot. Yeah. For this year. Look, you have the board pulled up right now. I do. So some names I could throw out that are going in this range. Yeah. Throw uh, Mixon's going. He went four one in your draft. Aaron Jones went four six. I thought you said around uh, six through nine. Yeah, I'm just. I'm. I'm getting to oh, it. I'm getting you're to getting it. to it. I'm just. I'm just trying patience, to knock patience. off patience. Down boy, down boy. <laughs> yeah, I'm just trying to build this so that you don't. You know, you know exactly what we're talking about here. Who's off the board? Miles Sanders went in five, so now here we go in round six. We saw White, Dobbins, Akers, Montgomery, Pacheco, Swift, Pierce, Kamara, Connor, Cook, Javante, Rashad, Penny, Dalvin Cook, Antonio Gibson, Samar J. P. Ryan. Two I mentioned were already in there. Cook is another Mm -hmm. one I really like inside Buffalo. Um, we know James, that not Dalvin, James. yeah, that's right. The, the younger of the brothers, um, James looking at a potential larger role in this offense. Uh, they got rid of Singletary. We saw the accident with Naheem Hines this week with the oh, jet ski. Um, not that he was active inside the backfield, but it did, did, you know, have some involvement. Um, mm-hmm. so it's one less mouth to feed per se. Um, so I like James Cook. I like the explosiveness of this offense and his involvement. We saw him really kind of take off and get more involved towards the second half of last year. Uh, the other one is Swift. I've always been a Swift homer. I've been a firm believer saying that if Swift were given the role of Christian McCaffrey, he could potentially be the RB1 in fantasy football. I don't expect that type of workload. Uh, it is the Eagles. They do like to rotate a, you know, three backs in this backfield. Right. Um, that being said, even if he's seeing 30 to 40% of the share, um, that's going to be enough for him to be productive. Uh, he had some of the highest yards per touch inside of the NFL. Don't quote me, but I think it's top three without looking it up. Um, and and I really like his potential inside of this Eagles offense. So the Eagles have, again, arguably the best offensive line in football. 
Uh, mm-hmm. And with their rushing quarterback is going to you know create lanes in the in the running game. It's going to spread spread the field and create a lot of opportunities for Swift. Not necessarily a lot of checkdowns, which is what he's been good at in his career and getting the ball uh, in the air. But uh, they may design a few more plays in that regards. But even if he is only limited to the ground. Um, which I don't expect, but if it is more limited than we are expecting, um, his breakaway ability and his his upside is unleashed into this offense. Uh, you're, are you afraid at all that Rashad White might not be as talented based on some of the advanced metrics that we have at playerprofile.com last year? Or is he a volume play in terms of opportunities in your mind? What is it about Rashad White? And, and like I said, the naysayers are going to say, his efficiency metrics were dookie last year. So can he succeed with the touches or does he just need a, a, a massive amount of volume to be good? So I think this is a three-part answer. One, um, let's start with last year, his efficiency metrics. This offensive line had suffered significant injuries and they were just decimated. So I expect this offensive line to be much improved. That's number one. Number two, uh, he's no longer competing against Leonard Fournette for passing volume and rushing volume. So uh, when we talk about his his expected total touches, volume is king in fantasy football, and he's looking like a, a RB that could see well over 50% of this backfield's workload, um, which is hard to say across the league. There's maybe uh, a handful of teams that you can comfortably say this individual or this team is going to see one back that's going to see 50 to 60% of that workload, right? Off the top of my head, we can say Nick Chubb. We can say Jonathan Taylor. We can say Derrick Henry. Mm-hmm. Um, you can say Christian McCaffrey. Uh, outside that, it starts to get pretty closer to 48, 52%, right? Mm-hmm. And and yeah. so, um, you know, I think that when we look at the competition for touches, Rashad White has a pretty clear path to success. Um, the last piece is Baker Mayfield being a, an addition here. Now, most people would say this is probably a um, a bad thing for this offense, but when we see a quarterback who struggles, what do they typically like to do? They like to dump the ball off. Um, and when you have a pass catching back like Rashad White, it's going to open up more opportunities for him to get a few more catches, especially if if Baker is struggling and wants to use him as an outlet. And so I think all of these things combined, it creates this like three pronged opportunity. Um, it's going to allow him to prop up his fantasy for success. The price seems nice too. They're around six for these guys. Mm-hmm. And I do want to add just one thing about Rashad White that, that our listeners should should remember. And one thing about David Montgomery. This something that's going to help ease your mind when you're clicking that draft button in the sixth round for one of these guys. Rashad White might not have been efficient, but he's still athletic. So he still possesses a skill set to improve upon those efficiency metrics. We're talking about a guy who's six foot two fourteen, you know, ran a four four eight. He has 84th or higher percentile scores in speed and burst. He was the third most athletic running back in his class uh, just a couple years ago, which was highlighted by Ken Walker, Brees Hall, uh, James Cook. So there were some good athletes in that class. So he is athletic. So I, I do believe that his efficiency metrics could improve. And also David Montgomery. I know they drafted, uh, you know, Jameer Gibbs early. But they gave him a contract that they can't get out of until after 2024. So we are going to be seeing David Montgomery in a Detroit Lions uniform for the next two years. They are not going to just throw this guy aside because they grabbed Jameer Gibbs. They still believe in his skill set. They have seen him a bunch. He only played, you know, a few miles away down in Chicago. They played two times a year his entire career. 
Uh, I do like David Montgomery there in the sixth round. I think he can present a whole lot of value grabbing there, especially if you do the 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 Caliso at the top and get yourself some dragons, baby. So we talked about rounds of six, four, uh, uh, six through nine. Nice. Now in rounds four through eight, I noticed you're seeing a lot of second-year wide receivers, a bunch of them really coming off the board within those four rounds. So are you – excited about these second year guys and let me just get into it a little bit more too uh are you more likely to tap christian watson drake london at the beginning of four or five are you waiting a little bit and going after the Traylon burks george pickens Yahan dotson those guys are going around six uh, around seven and eight so any of those pass catchers that you're targeting and do you have a favorite amongst the second year guys yeah, I own way too much Christian Watson already. Like, I'm starting to cool the Jets because I own so much of him. <laughs> he was going in round five, like middle to end of round five when the drafting season started. At the FFPC inside of redraft right now, he's climbing into round three. Um, at that point, it's getting a little steep, but I do think that he has the potential to still give a return on that investment. Uh, there's really no one else in this in this this receiving core that is a, a direct threat to his target share. I know we have Romeo who you know joined this team the same time as him last year, um, but I think it's a clear cut number two behind him. You could argue that Jaden Reed is going to be competing with targets against Romeo there, and then you have two rookie tight ends who are going to be looking to earn playing time in, in 2023. But we know that rookie tight ends come in and it takes time for them to develop. They got to learn the offense. They got to learn the, the blocking schemes as well as the route tree. And so it takes time for them to get into a groove inside of their, their new offenses. Um, I like Luke Musgrave, you know, he's a Bendite here and, from Bend, Oregon, myself, but I do think Bendite. that it, it will take. Yeah, that's that's what we call ourselves. Bendites. Uh, Bendites. <laughs> yeah, it will take time for him to, to to get up to speed inside of this offense. So I think Christian Watson, even at a modest twenty two percent target share, is what I have him projected for. He still comes in as RB fifteen. And I look over at his touchdown rate, which I have at about eight and a half percent, which in, in comparison to, you know, the average receiver is high. But in retrospect, looking at what he did last year um, is low in comparison to the numbers that he performed uh, at the touchdown rate inside that category. And I think that right now I have him, like I said, eight and a half percent, which is six and a half touchdowns. And that might be pretty low in comparison to what he could perform mm -hmm. um especially when we saw that streak that he went on last year uh where he scored i think it was like five or six in a matter of you know five games and so um really like his his upside i like his potential we saw him in the limited capacity with jordan love last year have a connection and some chemistry together um 22 target share like i mentioned eight and a half percent touchdown percentage and i it comes in as wide receiver 15 in my rankings be able to get him in rounds three, four, and five at times. Uh, mm -hmm. lo love the upside, love the potential. Um, the other wide receivers that you mentioned there uh, that I've been targeting at least for year two is Jahan Dotson, another player that performed exceptionally well in his rookie year. Uh, and and I know that Terry McLaurin has not really been a huge touchdown scorer. Jahan Dotson came in and had a, a lot of touchdowns for a rookie. I think he finishes like wide receiver 38 or so in fantasy points per game. And um, I think that if he's able to be a little bit more consistent and stay on the field, he got help, he got injured last year and missed some games. Yeah. Um, I think that he, he has a potential to technically outscore Terry McLaurin in PPR points uh, because of the upside that he presents inside of this offense. Um, I still like Terry McLaurin a lot. He's one of my favorite players in the NFL, but I do think that he does lack that touchdown upside that we could see from Jahan Dotson.
What quarterback is better for these pass catchers, Jacoby Brissett or Sam Howell? Man, I like I like Howell more than than the average Joe. Um, that being said, I do think that he'll be on a shorter leash because Brissett ran uh, the Browns' offense very well last year, and some would argue that he ran it better than Deshaun Watson did when Watson came back from suspension. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we saw this offense really clicking in Amari Cooper in particular with Brissett last year. Um, We'll find out who it's going to be. I think Howell probably leads, leads most, most of the year at the quarterback position. Um, We may see a few games of Brissett depending upon how Howell does, or maybe underperforms at times. But I think that, Eric Bieniemy coming over from the Chiefs inside this offense as the new OC is looking to prove you know doubters wrong and was going to look to get creative, and they have weapons like that's the thing with Howell. Like Howell may be inexperienced, but they have Terry McLaurin, they have John Dotson, they have Curtis Samuel who's very versatile. Mm-hmm. Um, they have two capable running backs, one who's an exceptional pass catcher with Antonio Gibson. So there's a lot of weapons and a lot of outlets for him to utilize uh, from the quarterback position. And I really think that he's going to outproduce, or I should say, outproduce ADP, but significantly outperform expectations. Which would make Johan Dotson definitely a smash there in rounds, you know, seven, eight, where you can get him. Uh, but let's talk about the Green Bay Packers real quick. Is your love for Christian Watson tethered to your belief that Jordan Love will be a competent quarterback? Or do you think that Christian Watson possesses the skill set to be good regardless? No, I, I'm not crazy about Jordan Love. I have a pretty modest projection of 61% completion percentage for him. I only have him at a 4% touchdown rate, which is not high. It's only 21 total mm-hmm. passing touchdowns. It just right. breaks down to the total volume and opportunity in this offense. I mean, there's really no clear cut number two. I mean, Romeo Dobbs and you could, you know, argue Jaden Reed or argue are that two slash three spot, but there's no tight end in this offense outside of the rookies who, like I said, are going to take time to get up to speed. And so for me, it just breaks down to opportunity and total amount of target share. You know, 22% of targets is a decent amount. From a number one perspective, it's not It's not like a Amon Ross St. Brown or Devontae Adams of 28 29%. Um, but in this offense, 22%, it's, according to my projections, is roughly 126 targets. And so when we can expect him to catch the ball about 61% of the time. Um, and he has that big playability where, I mean, his yards per reception coming in at 14.9, the algorithm, I dropped it down, gave him some regression at 14.3, still equates to over 1,100 yards. And so uh, I think that there's a lot of potential for Watson. Um, and it's not that I'm necessarily high on love. I just think that the opportunity is there for him to seize. They did lose. I mean, they lost their quarterback. They went from Aaron Rodgers. Now they're going to have Jordan Love. But Jordan Love has a big arm. And I think more, most importantly, the, the coaches really haven't changed, right? They still have the OC, same OC, same head coach going into next year. So their strategy and their game planning should be relatively similar. And we're going to want that to stay the way it was in 2022 for Christian Watson. In week 10, which is when we saw a significant jump in terms of snap share, that was really when he went from hovering around anywhere from 22 to 30%, and he jumped up to 85%. That was week 10. 164 air yards, 100 air yards, 82, 131, only 18, which is crazy because the next week, 76, 131, 103. He is a big play machine, which obviously plays into his skill set. Dude, 6'4", 210 pounds, right at 4, 3, 6, 40, absolutely destroyed 
the combine when he came out as a rookie. So he is a perfect candidate to really t- ascend into that next level. So we talked about the top of the show. If you have to zag while everyone is zigging and go early running backs, Christian Watson can bring a massive amount of return for you in his second year. I want to talk a little about tight ends here, Billy. What tight ends interest you if you don't get the Kelsey's Andrews Kittles or Hawkinson's? There's so many that are going from like tight end five to like tight end 11 that I really like. I, I love Higby this year. He's going so late. Mm-hmm. Um, when I look at tight ends, I always say I want a tight end who could potentially be the number one or the number two option inside the passing game. Uh, the Rams have a lot of question marks at receiver. Uh, we know Cooper Cup is the number one. Number two is kind of up for grabs. Van Jefferson is probably leading uh, that role right now. But then you have the number three is Puka Nakua. It's Tutu Atwell. It's Ben Skoranek. It's pretty disgusting, honestly. So I think it's. <laughs> I think I think you can say that Higby is pretty clearly the number three, and probably at times the number two inside this offense on a regular basis. Um, I really like Pat Fryermuth. Same could be said about him. He's been kind of a, uh, a target machine in his, his early career. Uh, and uh, in my opinion, is probably the number two option inside of this passing game. I also really like uh, Dulcich this year, who's going later than, 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 than most of the names. Uh, and again, that's just tied to Russell Wilson, who I think is, mm-hmm. is bound for a bounce back year. Um, and, um, we have seen Sean Payton utilize the tight end position pretty heavily in the past with Jimmy Graham. And so we, yes, we, we, have. we know they like to utilize that Joker, right? That Joker position. And I think mm-hmm. that we could see that from Greg Dulcich, who has, you know, a lot of, a lot of athletic ability. Um, those are the three that I really like in that range. If you want to push it and go real late, you could argue Gerald Everett is one that I really like. Yeah, um, like Everett, it's, yep. it's just based upon volume in this offense. Uh, I expect the Chargers to throw, you know, 700-ish times. Uh, we saw Herbert last year have 699 attempts himself, had that bum shoulder and the broken rib. And so Everett saw over 80 targets last year. I think we could expect him to see close to 80 targets again this year. So there's a lot of options at tight end. If I don't get Travis Kelsey or Andrews, my strategy is usually just to punt the position and then grab two or three inside of this range who have it a, a, a real shot at being like a top seven or eight tight end. So you're not, if you miss out at the top tier, like you miss out on Kelsey, you miss out on Andrews. You're saying no thanks to Pitts in the fourth, Waller, Goddard in the fifth, Njoku or Ingram in the sixth, seventh. You're saying, no, 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 no. I'll get, I'll get my tight ends. Up. I mean, not necessarily. I, I mean, okay. I, I guess I said that, but at the same time, it's like, if, if the build, if it's the build, if it's the mold, I will go one of those tight ends. I'm, usually passing on pits unless I get a very big discount um, just because I have concerns about the volume inside of the passing game here. Ritter was not, um, you know, a heavy volume pass thrower last mm-hmm. year in his limited capacity. They had a Bijan, they have Drake London. We've seen them want to run the ball, you know, top five in the league. And so um, mm-hmm. there is concerns, the amount of volume to go around for these, these three, um, you know, and so there's there's some concerns there. I think that he should be going about around later. I do like Darren Waller, especially when he slips into like the middle to end of round five um, in FFPC, which is tight end premium. You can get him much right. later in, in in home leagues when there's not tight end premium. But Waller, again, when we talk about leading a lead, leading a team in targets or being the number two options, there's 15 wide receivers on this Giants offense, and all of them are shit. And <laughs> Darren Waller, 
<laughs> Darren Waller is the clear cut number one. I mean, the number one wide receiver for the Giants right now is Isaiah Hodgins. Number <laughs> number two yeah. is debatably Paris Campbell. And then you have Wandale Robinson, who's hit the pup today, who's recovering from ACL. You have Sterling mm-hmm. Shepard, who, if you look at his injury chart and player profile, it's brighter than a Christmas tree on <laughs> on on December twenty fifth. And I mean, it, and he hit the pup today. Um, they added they added Cole Beasley. I mean, I can't even list off all fifteen receivers. There's, there's literally fifteen receivers in the third hour. You go to the depth chart. There's fifteen of them. Darren Waller, the clear cut number one, and the only one that I have projected for over 100 targets. So I will take Darren Waller in the fifth all day at FFPC. You could probably stack a lot of those receivers on the top of each other's shoulders, and their height would then be equal to uh, uh, Darren Waller. So they have a specific type that they're bringing in. It's like loop. Uh, <laughs> yeah, with that new Wonka movie coming out for whatever. Brian, Brian Dayball, very big fan of Willy Wonka <laughs> and the Chocolate Factory. Uh, <laughs> let me ask you this, though. If you could, let's just say, guarantee this, a, a fantasy football genie comes out of the football phone, and you can guarantee that Darren Waller stays healthy for the entirety of the season. Is he tight end three? He could be tight end two. Over yes. Andrews. Yes. Yeah, if we knew he was going to play 16 games today. If you could guarantee it. Guarantee 16 games from him. Guarantee that he was going to be the number one target in this offense. I would say that he should probably be drafted as tight end two or three. Eh, yeah, and because of that, I am a huge fan of trying to grab Darren Waller in my seasonal redraft leagues in round five. If he gets there, you know, I'm not pushing round four, but if he's in there in round five, I'm more than happy to take that. If not, I'm with you. I'm the type that will wait and grab my Higbees and my Everett's, all those guys, a whole bunch of rounds later. We talked running back. We talked receiver. We talked a little tight end. So we got to talk a little QB, Mr. Muzio. Do you have a preferred QB strategy? Do you like to grab one early? Do you go mid-round? Or do you like to execute the JJ, the late-round QB? So I'll start by saying, for those who don't know me, I'm a volume drafter, so I do every strategy. But if I had one bullet, and if I had one team. You had one bullet, yeah. And it's it's the golden gun, right? And I pull it out. Golden. Yeah, golden eye. Like, yeah. Don't you can't pick ob job. That's illegal. You can't do it. You can't. You're, you can't shoot him. You can't shoot odd job. <laughs> Real I, quick, side tangent. Did you see? Twenty years later, the developer said that it was an advantage in the game that he was actually below the cursor and you couldn't hit him. Duh. We, we all, all knew, knew it. We all free. You could just chop. You would just be able to. Chop. I would always. This was my. This is another side tangent. This is what I would do to my buddies. I love that have, game. Of course. I mean, Goldeneye was the OG stay up all night game that you play with the boys as you're raging for a sleepover, just drinking Jolt Cola and whatever you could get your hands on in terms of snacks and stay up all night and play. I would quarterbacks. To, We're talking Goldeneye. It's substitute teacher week here, ladies and gents. At press coverage. We're talking about whatever we want to talk about. I would always gas up one of my friends back, like, dude, you should be uh, Jaws. You should definitely be Jaws. Be Jaws. And he was like, yeah, he does look really cool. I'll be Jaws. And then he's just this gigantic character. I'm just like, <laughs> huge choo, target. Choo, choo, choo. Just <laughs> killing him every single time. He's like, why can you keep hitting me? I'm like, I don't know. You're seven feet tall. I can, I can shoot up the ceiling. I knock it down. Do you remember the map that you could like walk through the vents and then there was like oh, yeah. inside there was like the double entry up going up and then like yeah. or, or it, so I used to like come through the bottom level and like load the outside of the wall up with proximity mines and proximity they would go up and they would go up to like look down the window and just poof. <laughs> 
proximity mines. When you threw those things out, they came out. They looked like forty foot diameter discs in that yeah. game. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that game so much. Oh, Goldeneye, what a fun game. But anyway, back to QBs, Billy. Do we have to? No. Um, I mean, listen, uh, I, you can't bring up Goldeneye. I mean, we, we'll be here for two more hours talking about stories, war stories of Goldeneye, all this stuff. Um, when it comes to quarterback, if I have one bullet, I'm probably waiting to like quarterback 9, 10, 11, 12 range, right? We're talking about the um, Dak Prescott's, Trevor Lawrence, if he falls, the, the Russell Wilson's, Deshaun. the Deshaun Watson's, the Aaron Rodgers, this range, right? Mm-hmm. And it's it's someone that you're not – necessarily having to pay the premium price for but somebody that also has the weapons the off uh the upside and the offensive line to finish as the quarterback one on any week given basis and so we see every single year a quarterback who's being drafted outside of the top 12 at the position finish inside of the top 12 and, and even in, in, in particular inside the top eight last year, two names that come to, to, to mention or to top of my mind when we mentioned this is Geno Smith, who was going undrafted in the most home leagues and in, in high stakes was going in around 19 or 20. And then Justin Fields, who was going outside the top 15 at the position and both of them finish inside the top seven at the quarterback position. And so I think that we can always find a value at a quarterback. It's a lot harder to find the value, um, but when it hits, it hits, and you hit big. Because now you spent your early rounds on the positional players of wide receiver, running back, and tight end, and mm-hmm. you gain an edge at those positions. And then if you're able to gain an edge at quarterback while waiting, this is when we start talking about fantasy success. So if you were one of those players that waited and grabbed Geno Smith or waited and grabbed Justin Fields and down the stretch had an every week quarterback one while also main, making all of or making sure that you filled your roster out one through 10 or one through 12 and picks with running back wide receiver and tight end, you had a huge advantage over those mm-hmm. that went early quarterback. And yes, the consistency of Patrick Mahomes and the, and the consistency of Jalen Hurts and Josh Allen is very appealing. Um, and in best ball, you probably want to lean that way earlier rather than later. But in redraft, when you can pick up a different player and you can you know, play quarterback right. roulette and just take your chances the next week on somebody else, I typically like to wait at the position. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. If, and if I have the 101 if, or the 102 and I come with Justin Jefferson, I love waiting for Kirk Cousins in round mm-hmm. 10. Kirk Cousins is – I've the more and more I think about it, that's the guy that I'm going to plant my flag on. Uh, I should have done it for flag day when we did Dynasty Week, but I wasn't really in the weeds of, of looking at it. But I, I'm big on Kirk Cousins having a, a successful 2023 season. So that's something Do you get Cole's like cash do. every time you draft him? Uh, it, this, is, oh, this is something. That was a hilarious tweet. Shout out to Steffi Smalls. That was that was really really funny when she said he's the human uh, embodiment of Kolsch Cash. But I, I realized something when I saw that tweet that I my my vibe, who I am as a person, can be defined by two different pictures of Kirk Cousins. The one with him walking in looking like human Kolsch Cash because golf polo on all day, every day, buttons up all day, every day, shorts, flip-flops. That's my vibe. And the other being when he was shirtless wearing 85 chains dancing on the airplane. If you take those two Kirk Cousinses and mash them into one human being, that is Maddie Keewum's vibe uh, wholeheartedly. So realizing that was, uh, I don't know if it was a rough moment, but it was certainly a moment that I won't forget. In it's my your brother from life. another mother. 
I guess so. I would, uh, you know, he, I don't know if he liked me. I have kind of a potty mouth. He seems like a very buttoned up individual, very no nonsense guy watching quarterback, you know, yeah. on Netflix. I don't know if you've seen that yet, but I definitely mm-hmm. recommend it. It is football porn in its greatest iteration. I mean, the access that they give to, you know, two legitimate quarterbacks in the NFL is pretty damn cool. So I, I would definitely recommend that for anyone who hasn't checked it out. And if you uh, were having trouble following along because we diverted into Golden Eye and a whole bunch <laughs> of different things, he's saying mid round. Billy Billy thinks you can get a lot of maximize you can maximize your teams going mid round with these guys uh, in terms of QB nine QB twelve but also in these redraft seasonal leagues don't be scared to go with the JJ go with that late round QB build a really really strong roster and then hope to hit uh, I don't know if you're going to remember this so maybe I'm putting you on the spot here but we were sitting around the fire in Kansas City at the Player Profile Draft House and we were just you know every single day obviously all day we were talking football and you mentioned that a certain combo that teams could easily come upon in 2022 was the QB. I think it was like two or three uh, on the full, full season. Do you remember who those two QBs were? Yeah, it was Carson Goff. Wentz and Jared Goff. There it is. Yeah, It was disgusting, there it but is. if you combined them, you had a QB one every single week of the 2022 campaign because Carson Wentz started super strong. Jared Goff finished extremely strong. You – and then they got hurt or Wentz got hurt and Goff kind of yep. went, took, took off. And so um, I had a team that had these two and it dominated because I waited so long at the quarterback position and I hit at running back wide receiver and tight end and then quarterback hit. And so it's, you, it can happen. Like I said, it's, mm-hmm. it's, you, it's, it's definitely more risky than taking, you know, your, your Josh Allen, your Patrick Mahomes and Jalen hurts. But when it hits, it hits. Yes, it, it hits strongly. Were you drafting in 2016 when you made those two selections, the one-two pick in the 2016 NFL draft? Did you? Were you thinking about that at all? That you just wanted to link up those two guys from that draft class? No, no, not <laughs> at all. All right, Billy. Uh, you know you've been great in the show, so I'll get you out of here with this last question. Give the fine folks listening, player profile nation, some of your favorite players that are going after pick 180, so round 15 ish. Love McCole Hardman this year. He's going in around 19 and 20 at FFPC. Elaborate. Um, I have not. Not many people have been singing the praises of Mr. McCole Hardman. So Aaron Rodgers did an interview, and he specifically mentioned two players during Jets camp that he has been enamored with, with one, their skill set, but two, uh, the upside that they bring to this offense. The two players were Garrett Wilson and McCole Hardman. Um, McCole Hardman, we know, was drafted as the Tyreek Hill replacement for the Kansas City Chiefs. It didn't work out that way, but has blazing speed, has not really fully developed his route tree, but has a lot of potential inside jet sweeps. We saw him kind of hit late last year inside those jet sweeps and his versatility of this Kansas City Chiefs offense. He steps into the Jets, in my opinion, who are lacking a, a real number two. I don't think he's a number two, but especially in best ball, when you're just relying on spike weeks, he is the perfect spike week draft this late because we know he's going to see probably two, three, maybe four spike weeks from this offense, especially when we have Brees Hall, who's coming off of injury, who's going to be kind of eased into things as we're expecting. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have McCole Hardman, who can be utilized in the red zone during jet sweeps and screen game. Um, and they could probably utilize that speed. So I like his upside that he has inside this offense. The other one I really like is Mechie, John Mechie over in Houston. Mm-hmm. Uh, round two draft pick last year, unfortunately missed the entire season due to, I believe it was cancer. Don't quote me. It was, but, yeah. But um, I believe. 
Yeah, it was, you know, a really unfortunate situation. Mm-hmm. Um, battled it. Looks like he's healthy. He cleared for camp, ready to rock and roll. And, you know, people are just looking at him like he doesn't exist anymore because he's no longer the shiny toy. He was in the 2023 draft class. Um, if we were rewind time and we remember where he was going last year, there's no way he's going in round 15, 16, 17. I've seen him go around 17, right. 18 at times at FFPC. So I think that. Um, this offense in particular, they have a lot of, you know, dusty players inside the wide receiver position. Um, Nicole Hardman is arguably the number one. You have Bob Woods, who's been pretty dusty, who's arguably oh, yeah. the two or three. Um, they went out and drafted Tank Dell. But outside My of man. that, outside of that, I mean, Mechie is a pretty clear role to path to success in this offense. Um, and we have a rookie quarterback who's going to be looking for a connection. And if he's able to earn that trust early and often, then I think that John Mechie could significantly outperform his average draft position. Love it. And those names are putting the cherry on top. If you do decide to go uh, running back horde at the top of your draft, grab those guys late. Maybe they burst on the scene, help you win a couple games in fantasy football. Billy, I think we did okay job. Well, you're a guest. I think I did okay job filling in for Theo. He is, you know, these are big shoes to fill. The OGs, one of the best in the biz. So thank you for taking on substitute teacher week with me. Tell the people listening what you're working on, where they can find you, all that good stuff. Well, of course, you can find me over at Player Profiler, doing all the rankings, projections on a weekly basis, Daria, and updating those twice a week right now with more news hitting hitting the streets in the FF world. Um, you can find me all the time also in the uh, FFPC streets. I draft daily over there. Uh, come and get daily. some. Daily. That's, 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 not, that's, not an, that's not an overstatement. That's a fact. Volume drafter, people. <laughs> it's in order for me to hit the numbers I need to hit. I have to draft daily. Um, and then, of course, um, I typically record outside of this week. I record uh, First Class Fantasy every Thursday with Theo and the Dominator on Sunday with an alternating guest between Matt Kelly every other Thursday and then a guest every other Thursday. And you can beat your own Twitter, what, FF Musio, Musio FF? I can't remember which one. At FF Musio. FF Musio. Billy, thank you so much. I'm Matty Kewum. You can find me on Twitter at Matty Kewum. Also, all the work that you'll find pretty much coming out on playerprofile.com. Game plan each and every Saturday. Derek Brown will be joining me from Fantasy Pros this weekend. Trade bro. Gods on Thursday, D-Bro. This week on Trade Gods, Mr. Matt Kelly's coming on with me. We're going to have a lot of fun breaking down the trades all around fantasy football. Oh, gee, I hope I did I did well in your uh, uh, absence. I hope you are proud of me, OG. Thank you for letting me join on. And everybody, I will see you soon. Peace. 